Welcome to Creekside Chats with successful multifamily real estate investors. Dr. Allen chats with successful investors exploring their journey from setback to triumph. Through this window, we glimpse the truths that inspire our guests to invest abundantly and flourish in all areas of life. And now your host, Dr. Allen. Welcome to Creekside Chats with successful multifamily real estate investors, where we delve deep into the lives of our successful guests to learn the secrets of thriving to flourish abundantly in all areas of life. I'm your host, Dr. Allen. Today's guest is lead asset manager for Town Center Partners, where he focuses on multifamily and student housing. He has worked in litigation, reaching over $9.5 billion in recovery. He has managed a portfolio of over $520 million in real estate assets and is a licensed realtor in multiple states. He is a designated certified commercial investment member and has been published in multiple law review journals and magazines. Welcome my guest today, Ronnie Elias. Hey, Dr. Allen. How are you doing today, sir? I am good. I'm so happy to have you, Ronnie. And I'm eager to get to know the Ronnie behind the success story here. So tell me, Ronnie, uh, think back to uh, your childhood and think of a memorable experience as you look back on it now. You go, hey, that really was a formative experience that helped me to be uh, the man that I am today. Um, definitely, you know, um, came from extremely humble, uh, beginnings. Um, actually, uh, uh, initial background is, uh, myself and my family were Egyptian. Um, but, uh, I was born in Sudan. Uh, my grandpa was a, a pastor and, um, he was building, uh, the church there in Sudan. Uh, Sudan is predominantly, you know, 98, 99% Muslim country. So um, uh, my grandpa at that time was setting up the only church uh, in Sudan. And- um, You mean a Christian church, is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. So um, it was, you know, interesting times, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of, um, you know, to see, um, you know, uh, most everyone was okay, but there were some folks that had you know, an issue with, you know, setting up, um, you know, a quote-unquote different religion uh, mm-hmm. there. But um, it was truly, you know, a very um, heartwarming experience because, you know, uh, Sudan is not a very rich country by any means. I mean, it's uh, it's a third world country. Um, but uh, just, you know, to see people kind of coming together, working hand in hand, um, and, you know, just, um, I think that's kind of always stuck with me, you know, treating people with respect, kindness, um, because sometimes, you know, we, you know, we come here and we take advantage, like, man, you know, uh, electricity, running water, all of, you know, things like, you know, hey, that, that's just common things, you know, uh, uh, if you haven't really, you know, traveled sometimes, you know, out of the country, or I guess even, you know, there are some areas here in the U.S. that have severe issues, but um, it really puts things into perspective. Like, um, you know, shouldn't be complaining about X, Y, Z, but I think those type of experiences, just kind of seeing, you know, uh, building, you know, a church um, kind of in a third world country, 
um, with, you know, not in the best of circumstances of people kind of liking what you're doing, um, but still everyone kind of working hand in hand. Um, and then, you know, later on the church just grew and flourished uh, amazingly. Um, but unfortunately, you know, um, what what's a very unique story is my dad finally, um, he got his uh, uh, PhD in medical engineering, but could not uh, really the only business uh, that was popular at that time or 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 could really pay the bills was um, uh, selling or uh, importing um, generators. So he ended up doing a lot of work um, uh, for the government. Um, mm -hmm. And then... And this, one, was, this was still in Sudan? Yes, sir, in Sudan. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, um, him, you know, being a Christian and, you know, not the most popular person at some point, you know, we actually uh, had to leave Sudan. We just like kind of just uh, packed up um, and overnight, you know, just kind of, you know, the, the American story, you know, um, took a bag, everything we could have, left the country um, and uh, went uh, just for a short time to London, then was finally able uh, to come uh, to the U.S. Uh, in 89. Um, and uh, it was just, you know, very humbling experience. I mean, again, you know, that's, uh, you know, the great thing about the American dream or, or this country. I mean, really, you could come here with nothing and kind of build yourself up and, and take care of your family, which, you know, some people take it, you know, really don't understand, you know, it's very difficult to do that in some other countries. Right. Well, it's not easy to do that here. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so how old were you when you came to this? Uh, eight years old. Oh, okay. Because I'm, I'm going, you, you do not have uh, a foreign accent. So, <laughs> so I figured... I, the, in, the, in the beginning, you know, I would say maybe had a little bit of a... Yeah. It, I would say it was kind of funny, like a British accent, but uh, mm -hmm. that quickly disappeared. <laughs> um uh, but, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, some har some hardships, but I think, you know, hardships kind of help build the character and, right. and always kind of um, is ingrained in you to remind you, hey, you know, days cannot always be good. A bad day is unfortunately somewhere around the corner at some point. Oh, yeah. For all of us, we never know what uh, what tomorrow is going to bring. Uh, I'm curious uh, about a couple of things. One is your your grandfather was a, a, a Christian uh, minister uh, in Sudan. Was he was he in Sudan before you all went there? Uh, yes, he he was um, uh, uh, he was moved from uh, Cairo, and the um, uh, the the church elder said, "Hey, we'd like you to you know move to Sudan," um, and uh, there was kind of very, again, very small minor, the minority of the minority, you're talking, you know, just a couple mm -hmm. percent uh, that were Christian. And they said, hey, we'd like you to go uh, build a church. Um, uh, even, you know, at some point, you know, after we left, uh, uh, President Jimmy Carter actually came and visited the church. Mm -hmm. um, 
and because it, again it was the only um, uh, you know church uh, in Sudan at that point and um, and was doing kind of just a lot of uh, relief efforts uh, for the community and so forth so it, it was great uh, to kind of see you know the progression um, unfortunately you know we couldn't really stay for uh, for everything but you know mm -hmm. hey, everything kind of happens for a reason I mean Right. Wouldn't be talking to you today. We'll probably be, you know, <laughs> still in, uh, you know, who knows where one would be. So, uh, yeah, everything well, has a reason. At least that's what I believe. Well, another thing I'm curious about, I mean, um, Egypt is not, uh, is certainly not predominantly Christian either. Uh, in fact, Christianity is a minority religion in Egypt as well. Exactly. So, there's a story behind that as well. So how did your grandfather and then I guess your family uh, end up being Christian in a predominantly Muslim country? Um, you know, it's uh, as far back as I can tell, you know, that, that that's kind of been, quote unquote, our heritage. Um, you know, uh, uh, Cairo, you know, they call it, you know, it's uh, it is an extremely dense city. I think, you know, last time they said, you know, roughly about 100 million people yeah, wow. in that city so it's extremely dense continuous growing yeah um you know as you can see you know cairo has a very um or egypt sorry has a very unique history i mean you could tell you know this the recent somewhat recent if you want to say revolution of you know uh changing you know where the military kind of had to oust the president um uh, and so forth um he, you know there is Probably, you know, depending on who you ask, there's somewhere between five to ten percent, um, you know, amount of Christians mm -hmm. in Egypt. But again, you know, it it shows, you know, um, I'm not trying to get you know into any religious discussion or you know political discussion. You know, hey, folks, you know, even in Egypt, you know, folks can try to still get along and, and work. Um, it's definitely, you know. A little bit more unique there because you know for example like you know like you know in our passport we don't put hey what religion you are that mm. you know um not only in cairo or in egypt they'll put you know on the passport and driver's license they'll really? put hey this is your religion you're muslim oh. you're christian or whatever wow i do you know, know yeah common sense would be like why do you need to know that when you if you're pulling me over or you know hey i'm going in between countries exactly. but um so do they know, still do that does he yes still that do? is that's that is really? still the uh, modus operandi um um of you know uh, that's kind of you know that's the system and you know we you have to learn to kind of uh uh work within the system uh, and so forth right. um but you know so it's a beautiful country, amazing people. Um, I think the last time we visited, it was maybe, it's been like a year and a half. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, it's, I mean, if you look at today, today we are a very interconnected society. I mean, you know, for better, yeah, I mean, look at, you know, let's talk, you know, a very bad uh, COVID. I mean, uh, COVID has, Showing us, hey, how we're all interconnected, yeah, spread all over the world. Yeah, yeah. So, 
So yes, for sure. So anyway, that kind of sidetracked you there a little bit. Uh, so coming back to uh, to you, coming to the United States, and uh, you uh, did you speak English when you when you came here? Yes, I spoke okay. English um, in Sudan. Uh, all the predominantly, um, I w uh, the school that I went to was kind of, uh, it was uh, a lot of uh, UK English. Uh, oh, okay. Um, you know, quote unquote. They like to say proper English. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but it's not your first language, though. No, um, oh, okay. I, I do speak uh, Arabic. Is what was spoken uh, or is spoken in Sudan and um, and Egypt. Uh, Egypt. Yeah. Um, I'm, I would say, of course, you know, over time, I would say my my Arabic kind of is a little bit sometimes broken. Um, but it's uh, you know once you kind of travel back, it quickly picks up. And then the oh, unique yeah. thing, uh, you know, just like you know, if you go to you know, Spain, Brazil, sometimes you know each country or each part of the region kind of has their own little bit dialects. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you know, uh, quickly people can tell, oh, um, you know, uh, that person, yeah, he's speaking Arabic. But he's probably from Sudan because of the way he uses certain words or, uh, yeah. or or things. So, um, uh, but you know, it's a I, languages are a beautiful thing. I always tell anyone, hey man, try to learn as many languages as possible. It will right. only help yeah. you uh, in the road for success. You never know who, you know, you could be at Starbucks and you run into, you know, X Y Z person, and you could strike up a conversation in Mandarin or whatever with them. So uh, going back to your integration here, of course you were, you were eight years old and it's, it's much easier for children to integrate into uh, different and new situations. Uh, but even as a child, I'm sure you experienced some challenges and difficulties coming from uh, Egypt via Sudan uh, to the United States. So. What were some of your major challenges as a child uh, making that? I would say the process? major challenges was trying to kind of, you know, A, understand, you know, American lingo or slang. That was uh -huh. one. Two, um, I would say probably as a child, I was very, uh, you know, uh, school was, uh, you know, just, hey, I wanted to focus on schoolwork, mm. um, you know, trying to you know, uh, I would say probably those first couple of years was kind of very introverted, um, just because, you know, it was kind of hard to kind of find people to, sometimes we always like to assimilate with folks from our own background. Right. And, uh, you know, it was hard to kind of, uh, find, uh, those people or, um, uh, from the get go. So, um, it was kind of just, Hey, Monday through Friday, uh, schoolwork, Saturday, um, do some more schoolwork, and Sunday, you know, kind of recharge, relax, uh, mm -hmm. and, and so forth. So um, I think that's how it kind of uh, started off. And then, you know, kind of as time uh, progresses, we all, quote unquote, start to get a little bit outside of our, uh, our shell, um, make friends, um, uh, and then, you know, you kind of just Fine. I mean, we moved to uh, Orlando, Florida, um, uh, in '89. So um, you know, Orlando is also you know a very diverse uh, uh, area. Um, 
you know, we have a lot of the, you know, it's a big tourism capital. You have a lot of people of all different um, uh, races, ethnicities, religions, and so forth. So um, uh, I think uh, it was great. You got to just kind of see um, people of all walks of life, which was also unique because, you know, coming from, uh, you know, uh, Sudan and so forth, you really did not have a wide range of people you could see it was kind of, you know, just a, a, a predominantly local and, you know, hey, you were either, you know, Christian or Muslim and, and that was it. It wasn't like, you know, you, you saw people of all different walks of life there. Well, interesting. Uh, so <clears throat> we're coming to the end of our time here and we're just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, Let's take a big leap here from uh, from childhood experiences, and uh, so you so you studied law, correct? And, and yes, sir. And you never practiced. I didn't practice. I was okay. predominantly did uh, either uh, worked in um, capacity as kind of um, what they would say, you know, appointed by the courts uh, to be um, kind of review certain matters. Um, and I also used kind of my uh, legal education um, when I worked uh, for our, um, it was predominantly a fund, but we were really almost set up like a family office. We had two owners that were extremely high net worth individuals. Um, and we grew, you know, by leaps and bounds. Um, you know, we went from five million dollars worth of assets all the way to over half a billion dollars in assets um mm -hmm. and that was amazing we got to really uh we did everything in house so uh we were a very small team uh we did asset management property management uh construction management in house uh we mm -hmm. of course would you know have um local team members uh at each property, um, but uh, from the corporate office standpoint, we were handling everything in-house. Um, we would, of course, hire third-party uh, contractors, but we would we were always on top of everything. Um, and I think you know, so uh, that's the best thing if you can kind of get your hands uh, really dirty and kind of just look at an asset from all viewpoints. You know, mm -hmm. not only hey, I own this thing but you know you you understand hey what is the true day-to-day -day management what is you know hey how are we seeing is this asset performing correctly or not what's our problems and then realizing hey now is the time to get out sell and move on to the next thing or you know this thing is really doing well let's keep uh holding on to it Well, uh, so many questions, <laughs> and so and so little uh, time here. Uh, so, just to uh, before uh, before we go into uh, my next question here, uh, which my next question is, uh, what is, uh, I guess, looking at your uh, one of your biggest disappointments, your major setbacks, uh, what was that, and what did you learn from that? And uh, before you answer that question, uh, tell our viewers and listeners how it is that they can get in touch with you. 
Sure thing. Uh, Ronnie Elias, uh, um, uh, Town Center Partners. Uh, email is a great way to get a hold of me. Uh, I will personally respond to you or, or, or get back in touch with you. Uh, my email is Ronnie, which is R-O-N-I at Y-O-U-R-T-C-P.com. So it's Ronnie at your TomCharliePeter.com. And um, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, I would say, uh, let's talk about disappointment. So I'd say disappointment will probably come, um, with the time I was, um, with the fund, uh, in Florida. Um, you know, Florida was a state that was extremely hardly hard hit with that, with the last recession, 07 to 09. Um, and just, uh, in that time period, you know, is burnt into my head. And, you know, I worry, you know, that this market we're in now will start to show some uh, signs again of that time period. Um, uh, I think a lot, you know, a lot of my colleagues seem to think I'm completely wrong. You know, who knows, maybe in 18 months from today, we could sit down again and say, hey, well, uh, 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 right, wrong, or indifferent. But uh, during that time period, I think that was extremely, I don't, I, I would use the word scary and, um, you know, it, it was almost all about survival because we went from a time period where the banker calls you and says, why are you only borrowing 20 million? Let me give you 30. Let me give you 40. Take out more debt to um, the banks now shut down, not lending. Um, they want, you know, if you have a loan maturing, they want their money. There's no discussions, no ands, ifs, or buts about it. We want our money. Um, if you're not going to pay us, uh, we're foreclosing. We're going to go after you. You know, gone are the days of, you know, hey, let's go have coffee or stuff. It went, it, it went completely different. I mean, right. mm -hmm. it, it wasn't like a joy to pick up the phone and speak to your banker. It was like, oh, geez, Louise, what, what, is, mm -hmm. what is she or he calling about? And what am I going to get threatened on the phone with now? Um, so I would say uh, just being um, more prepared for those down days than ever is kind of that's really been um, my focus like after that 07 to 09 time period that has really said hey you've got to be extra reserves always prepared um and you know for us we're very excited um about this upcoming period you know we have been patiently waiting for this this is where we've kind of you know been saving up a lot of dry powders people like to say or just cash on the sidelines because mm -hmm. our goal is yeah we want to go onto a shopping spree you know these next you know 12 to 24 months um mm -hmm. and it was very unfortunate because um we saw a lot of our colleagues at much larger firms than us eradicated i mean people just shut down couldn't they're like mm -hmm. we're done you know let the bank we're filing bankruptcy tomorrow. Let the men come take what they want. There's nothing here. You know, assets are completely upside down. Um, we can't even pay the mortgage uh, or nothing. 
I'm hoping it does not reach that, and I don't think it will, but I do think a, a market reset is definitely on the horizon. It uh, certainly does look that way. Well, Ronnie, it was uh, a pleasure having you today. And uh, No, thank you for having me, and hopefully, hey, we can we can do this again sometime, maybe in the next 12 or 18 months. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully be in a much better economy, uh, you know, knock on wood. And, you know, just, um, you know, onward and upward, as onward they say. and upward. Well, let's not wait uh, 12 to 18 months because <laughs> we've got a whole lot more to learn about uh, Ronnie Elias here. So let's plan on getting back together Definitely. in the not too distant future here and uh, continue this conversation. So Ronnie, thank you for being on the show and uh, I look forward to future conversations with you. Thank you, Dr. Allen. Thank you for tuning in to Creekside Chats with successful multifamily real estate investors brought to you by Steed Talker Capital. Steed Talker Capital works with both new and established investors nationwide, creating opportunities to flourish in all areas of life. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures great and small flourish abundantly. For resources to enhance your well-being through multifamily real estate investment, connect with us online at capital.steedtalker.com. <laughs>